Hello everybody and thank you for joining Hundor Presents Web3 Waffles. Today I am very happy to be joined by Steve Ratcliffe who is the head of IT uh, for Play, um, one of our partners who we've been working with for quite some time here at Hundo. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Um, first off, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Steve. I work for Play. I've been with the company now for just over two years. I think it's just over two years now, actually. Uh, I originally joined as a DevOps engineer, and uh, that eventually got moved over into head of IT role. Uh, when I joined uh, the company, um, I was the first DevOps engineer on board. I think they'd been looking for quite a while, and they were trying to find the best fit and things like that for a small company. It's uh, so it's good to have try and find the best fit. Um, and so yeah, I joined as a DevOps engineer. Um, worked there steadily for quite a while and now moved into the head of IT role. So basically, um, I still do a little bit of DevOps as well, um, kind of a bit of everything. Uh, my background, I've been in the IT industry for many, many years now, mainly through the operations side of things rather than development. Um, so I come from that area, which was something that was lacking at play as such. There was a few there that had got some experience, but it was primarily developers and software developers and all the rest of it. So from the operations side yep. of things, there was a bit of a bit of a gap. Um, so I was able to bring that set of skills onto the team as well, um, which is now, like I said, kind of merged over into the, the head of IT role as well. So on a day-to-day -day basis, I look after a lot of the internal tooling for play, um, managing accounts and things like that. Um, any kind of internal tooling and things like that falls under my domain. Um, we have a lot of internal tooling that we all that we host and uh, uh, and manage. Um, that covers everything actually, from laptops up to software development tools and software and things like that. Um, so I look after that. I'm also part of the um, information security management um, board as well. Um, so we got ISO credited um, last year, and this has now been an ongoing thing. So um, I'm also partially responsible and on the board for looking after the information security within the, the company as well. Um, so that level of things. And in between all that as well, I also get pulled into some of the project work as well occasionally uh, when needed for DevOps, advice, help, ops side of things, um, wherever my kind of skill set fits in really. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And going back to like the roles you've had before. So for, for those that are listening that don't know, you know, what how would you describe DevOps and what DevOps is in that kind of industry as a whole? So I think it it's it's been born out of necessity more than anything. Um, it's trying to help stop information silos and help people work together a lot more. Um, it's a set of principles and an idea if anything. Yeah. Um, the best way to describe it is I've come from an operations background. So I've come from data centers, servers, um, yeah. that side of style of things. And there's always been the traditional groups of the IT people and the operations that look after the servers, the infrastructure and that side of things, and then the developers that develop the software. Yeah. And they don't talk to each other <laughs> that, that well. <laughs> they have their yeah. way of working and the others have yeah. their way of working and there's no kind of middle ground. So DevOps is a set of 
principles and um, best practices to try and bridge that gap and start working much more fluidly together to bridge that understanding as well and, and the knowledge between the two. Um, because there are certain things that the developers need on their side and certain things that the ops guys need on their side. Um, and traditionally, it's been very hard to kind of like bridge that two together. Now, there's definitely an overlapping of roles. And as time has gone on, there is definitely an overlap of roles. And having knowledge of both, I think, is really important. It's not always essential, but I think it's really important um, to work together. So DevOps engineers should really be focused on trying to, to bridge that gap and make things a lot, a lot easier so that when it comes to developing software, deploying software, it runs a lot smoother. Um, yeah. It isn't just a case of handing it off and deploying it, and then it's gone. It's understanding that if it breaks, why it breaks, and yeah. stopping it from breaking. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the crux of it. There is also a lot of underlying stuff and coding and things like that, but it's much more than just throwing together some Terraform and building some stuff and creating some some like software pipelines and things like that. Um, I think for my role, what I always try and encourage is not just doing the stuff, but it's also getting developers to do ops stuff as well, um, if yeah. they're interested in that side of things, because it gives them a much greater understanding of what the systems are that their software runs on and how it actually works. Um, and I think it helps yeah. them then when they're developing that, that software. Absolutely. And by understanding how everything hangs together, you've got a much better understanding of what your bit needs to do in order to connect with everything else and the impact that has, which exactly. makes absolute sense. Yeah. Um, and what what was your journey to becoming to getting into the roles that you're in now? You know, where did you start? What did you learn? Did you go to college to learn anything related to this? Or have you just found your way here in a different route? A bit of both. <laughs> it was definitely a bit of both. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, this is this is going back quite a few years now. Growing up, I was a bit of a computer nerd and computer geek. I know we have a sharing love of Commodore. I had a Commodore 64. That's my first computer. Um, Absolutely. I, I never really gave my parents credit, especially my dad. I think my dad saw the future of technology and computers. And he yeah. understood and also saw that I had an affinity to it and an understanding yeah. of it. And so as I was younger and growing up, I wanted to like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he, he, he made the choice, I think, then of not getting going down the games console thing. If I was going to buy something, it was going to be yeah. a computer that I could use to do things. Yeah. So that's where it started from. However, as a teenager, you don't do what your parents do, you generally. You want to do something completely different. So yeah. that's what I did. Um, I ended up... Um, at 18, moving down to London I'm from Birmingham originally. I moved down to London when I was 18 to go to university to do environmental science. Okay. So yeah. I picked environmental science. It was something I was interested in. Um, and yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. I did that for two years. Um, and after two years, I was kind of like, maybe this isn't the kind of thing that I want to go into eventually. I don't know. Um, so I actually then dropped out of that and switched on to another course doing business studies. I did that for a couple of months and was just like, no, nope, this isn't for me either. <laughs> and at that point I was like, okay, I need to find out what my gift yeah. and, what, and what's going on. So I took a break from university for a while and I was, I was working full time, um, just in kind of like retail work and things like that. Um, ended up falling into um, Marks and Spencer, which was 
I have to admit, name yeah. dropping. It was a great company to work for at the time. It was it was really fun. I had a lot of fun times there. It was a really good uh, bunch of people there. Um, and then eventually, I was like, yeah, I should really have followed my dad's advice and gone into the computer industry. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed back up and went to um, did a computing university degree, and I started doing that. Um, did that for two years and at the end of the two years I found myself in a situation financially where I was working practically full-time overnight whilst trying to do a full-time university course at the same time and it wasn't really gelling so after two years I was like right instead of completely messing up my final year at university I'm going to drop out and see what happens from there because then yeah. if I need to come back and finish that third year I can do it when I'm in a better position to do it. Um, and at that point, I, I moved into like full time at MS, but then I needed to get into computing. Yeah. Um, so I went down a bit of a, an unorthodox route because this is before the days of LinkedIn and some of the other social media sites and things like that. And it was much more difficult. I basically got my CV together, went through, I think it was a phone book or yellow pages or something like that. And I sent off hundreds and literally it was into the three figures of let cover letters and CVs off to as many kind of companies as I could find. Um, a couple came back, mostly thanks, we'll keep your CV on record, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. One came back and asked for an interview. I went in and I got the job and that was for working. It was a um, operations uh, a NOC team. So it was an operations team um, and it was doing shift work. So that's where yeah. my journey kind of started. It was literally um, working 24-7 shifts, monitoring and looking after um, other clients' companies' kit hardware. Yeah, We had a little mini data center. Um, it was very, very tiny, but we had a little data center with some servers in and things like that, and we looked after that side of things. And that's where it kind of started, really. Um, I was doing that kind of work for a few years. I really enjoyed it, especially because I really enjoyed the, the, the shift work on it. Um, it was four days on, four days off, and having the four days off in a row was just bliss. It was really, really nice. Um, so yeah, I was doing that for a number of years, um, moved into a different company, doing the same kind of thing. Um, as happens, companies change, grow, change hands, yeah. grow, redundancies can happen sometimes, things like that, but I ended up, um, making some good contacts in the, the world that I was in, I was able to move from one role straight into another. Um, and from there, um, the company grew, the team grew. Um, I moved into a position of uh, becoming the team lead as well. So I was managing yeah. the team for a while. Um, and it was that point when I started managing the team that I also kind of like thought about, do I want to go down the management route yet or do I want to do more technical stuff? Yeah. And an opportunity came up within the company that I was working at to move into uh, Unix sys system administration. So I became a Unix sysadmin, um, which is always something that I'd always mess around with when I was younger as well. That side of things. Um, I'm not a complete OS. Um, I'm quite fine with all operating systems, to be honest. They've all got their quirks. They've yeah. all got their oddities. They do. Not a complete fanboy yeah, of do. only one. I like them all, um, but I really did sort of like, uh, enjoy doing the Unix, the Unix side of things. Um, so I moved into that role, um, and then from there again moved into a different company. I'm still doing Unix sysadmin, and whilst I was then in that company, um, this was a software-based company. It was a gaming company, 
and they had some DevOps engineers there already. Um, yeah. And I think because of what I've been doing in the world of monitoring, um, systems administration and things like that, I'd kind of already been doing some DevOps stuff anyway. Um, yeah. In my previous role, there's some bits there. Like I said, there's always an overlapping of roles sometimes. When yeah. you're starting to look at automation, when you're starting to look at how you can deploy things seamlessly and, and make things a lot more cohesive and controlled and things like that, it's already there. Um, yeah. And so I, I basically moved into a, a full-time DevOps engineer role in that company then, um, doing that. And COVID then struck and hit. And redundancies happened, sadly, as they did across the board for many, many people. Um, and then I was lucky to um, end up at Play. Um, so that's where I then ended up at Play, started doing the, the DevOps role there. And then the requirements came up for a head of IT, and that was it. And that's how I landed. landed. The rest is history. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic, it, thank you for talking through the journey, because I think it's, it's a fantastic journey, which probably resonates with a lot of people that are listening, which is, you know, there's no one single route which says you follow A, B, C to get to D, you know, there's just people come from many different backgrounds. Um, and what I found really interesting was, you know, that, er, that early interest in computers, be it the Commodore 64, be it that, um, I suspect that that very similar to me you know that that kind of interest in those kept you close to computers your entire life if you were then playing with unix systems as well you were playing with linux systems as well so there was always kind of a hobby of that in the background even if exactly. it wasn't your core yeah. core principle um so it'd be fair to say that that kind of drove your decision making to get back into computing i think so yeah it, it, it was yeah. It, it wasn't just a case of i had an aptitude for it i also really enjoyed it <laughs> It was something Absolutely, that I enjoyed yeah. doing yeah. as well. And yeah, it, it got to that stage where I was like, why am I going down these other routes when there's there's something here that I'm pretty good at and that I enjoy doing? So why am I not pursuing this career-wise? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, uh, I, I completely agree. It, it's not necessarily the path that people are... I think there's a lot of pressure put on people to be like, this is what you need to do. You need to know what yeah. you're doing. Now get on and do it. It's not always that cut and dry at all. Um, I didn't realize at the time, and I found myself on that path, just trying different things. And sometimes when you try those different things, you can end up it's like, okay, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Sometimes it's just trying these things and finding out. Yeah. Well, I mean, on on the journey that I've been and people that I've worked with previously, I've seen people from many different backgrounds. Some, yes, have come from hardcore. IT courses and, and that kind of background. Yeah. I've known people that have ended up as like Unix sysadmins, but they studied history at, at university and they've got a history degree. <laughs> they've got no kind of degree level kind of thing for working in computers. It's just purely knowledge that they've brought on board and yeah. um, you know they've picked up and learned as they've gone along. Um, so yeah, it's it, it was an interesting journey to get here, but it's it's it doesn't have to be a linear path to end up where you're going to end up at all no no not at all i think the, the key thing out here in there is actually there's if you follow your passions and you follow your interests it doesn't mean to say you will definitely find something that you can do there but it's a good it, that it's enjoyment good will start. drive you yeah it's a good, it's place, a good to place to start it is a good place to start um and i think because as we've discussed you know as has been discussed as well when it comes to the it world as well it's not just it tech people 
yeah but work in it at all there's a broad range of different people that, that work in these kind of industries when it comes to design graphics um project and product people and customer service yeah. people and things like that there's a broad range of things that you can get into as well so you don't always necessarily need to be completely tech savvy to to, to work in this world either um yeah so yeah that's what i mean sometimes it's best just to find something that you're interested in get into it and then from there you may find further down the road i think it's the same with a lot of industries as well there's a lot of industries that pick an industry that you're interested in go work in it and then see what roles are there because generally it's not yeah. just one type of person that works in that thing so yeah i totally agree i totally agree i think you see it all the time with um you know i speak to people that come from they're interested in gaming for instance you know you're, you're a gamer you're interested in gaming uh, but i don't know how to code i don't know how to 3d model is that but there's a marketing team there's a pr team there's administration there's finance there's accounting there's management there's qa testing there's just so many things that you could do that actually sit outside of just doing the code and actually yeah. are, are, are essential you know they they are required and you know if you have an aptitude towards one of them or an interest towards one of them then just being involved in that sector is really really interesting because you just look across our businesses half the team are certainly not developers and that is that is essential you know we need those people um uh, but still it's that area to focus on and not don't be put off by the fact that it feels like there's a barrier there probably isn't if you actually start exploring it a bit more exactly yeah sometimes the only barriers are your own self-made barriers absolutely. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and so for people that are you know listening in and they, they they're interested in the path you talk they're interested in the kind of role that you're doing you know what are the kinds of things that you'd suggest they learn? What are the kinds of skills that would be worth sort of focusing on? Wow, that is a good question. That is a very good question. I think, so what I have seen from people previously, when they have come in for certain specific roles, they will have a, a I've got this qualification, I've got this qualification. Yeah. So, say a network engineer. A network engineer can come in and have God knows how many like different qualifications for network engineering. Yeah. But then they haven't got a clue about the broader spectrum of things and how it all yeah. works together and how it all works. Um, so I think one of the things for this industry is don't necessarily pigeonhole yourself into one thing and focus only on that. Look at the broader yeah. picture as well. Um, I, I think personally that for a lot of people, don't just, if you're going to be a developer, don't just pick development kind of modules or courses yeah. or things like that. Look at some project management stuff. Look at some product stuff. Yeah, agreed. Get a wider understanding because then you have a better understanding for working with other people as well. I mean, you're also going to be working with other people and other colleagues. You have a better understanding and idea of what their requirements and needs may be and how they're working and how you can then help to kind of work together more cohesively. If you have an idea of how somebody else works and what kind of job they get up to, then it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Right? Um, so I think that's the thing. Yes, focus on what it is that you're learning, but don't forget about the bigger picture. And sometimes yeah. it pays off and it does really work to have a broader a broader knowledge and a broader understanding of things. And I think that's what I've looked for when, when I've done interviews. Like I said, I was, I was the team lead for this 24-7 um, monitoring team for a while as well. 
and it was the same kind of thing some some people there came to me with very because it was a kind of entry level base level uh kind of role yeah. um people were coming coming up for interviews there that didn't necessarily have that many qualifications in the it world but right. it was about what they were doing outside of things and their knowledge and things like that, that yeah. sometimes that is far more important than a bit of paper saying i did this course and i've got this um so I think that is, I think that's also pretty good, like, um, interview advice as well for something. <laughs> Don't just know your subject, know the other stuff that goes on around it as well. You know, one of the, always the key things that people say about interviews is like, know the company that you're going to interview for, do some research on the company as well. So you get yeah. an understanding of what the company is about and what it does. Um, not just specifically about your role, cause it's, it's not all about that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that would be one of the best tips and bits of advice I could give, I think. I, I totally agree. I think that's a really good piece of advice because a role, a job description or a role very rarely actually gives you insight into what it is that that role actually does. You know, it gives yeah. you a steer, but it doesn't actually tell you. You know, head of IT, product designer, product manager, developer, head of community, marketing, they all mean entirely different things in different organizations. And so have a think of it, look at that company, look to see what they do, look at other people that are, you know, do a bit of LinkedIn stalking, absolutely do that, follow these people on Twitter, see what they're up to, um, see what they're communicating about, just to get a bit of a feel for it, so you can understand how you can fit into that broader picture. Exactly. And then, yeah, and going back to what you said before about understanding, you know, context of what happens around you, that kind of generalist view is also highly important i speak to a lot of people a lot of organizations that say actually they have no problem finding people with very deep knowledge in certain areas who can't interact with the rest of the company and don't yeah. understand how to interact and that then becomes a problem it's like actually you're very very good at doing that and if we need someone that just does that that's fine um but if they can't then interact with the rest of the company they don't understand how their piece of the work how their piece of the puzzle fits into the bigger picture how it impacts the business how they even talk to each other it makes your life very, very difficult. And so, yeah, focus on those skills and try and get experience where you can do working with, you know, even if it's in Marks and Spencer's, but working with wider teams, understanding what those wider teams, look at the jobs that you're doing, you know, the, the part-time jobs you have and understanding what your role is, how that fits into the wider business and always be curious exactly. about that. Super, super important. Yep, very much so. And so for the the people listening in who have like, they're super, super inspired now, they, they understand the key skills. Um, are there any resources or any places they can go to? Is there anything that you say, go and check this out? Uh, Hundo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, plugging Perfect. that for a start. Campus at Hundo. <laughs> um, there's a lot, specifically, no. I, 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 my go-to is everywhere, the internet basically because there's a lot of stuff out there um it's one of the wonderful things of the internet is that people do put a lot of stuff out there and sometimes yeah people post things on various blogs and things like that that are really really interesting um, yeah. i think more so sometimes than targeted like course sites like you can always go and pick up a udemy course or something like that um yeah. But sometimes if you follow certain specific people on linkedin or follow yeah. uh, tech blogs and things like that um, they generally try and stay more up to date as well. And there's always kind of like fresh new stuff coming out. Um, yeah. so yeah, whatever area is that you're in into have a look out there because there's probably somebody else that's in it as well. And it's, it's publishing posts and things like that as well. Um, absolutely. 
So yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. Just find one that's good for you. <laughs> What's going to be good for me isn't necessarily going to be good for somebody else. And that's the good Very thing, true. I think, as well. Um, there's a lot of mediums out there f um, for things like that as well. I mean, there's YouTube and things like that. I'm personally not a big fan of tech YouTube stuff. There's a few people that I don't mind watching a few videos on. But if I want to learn about something, I'd rather read about it because I find it goes yeah. into my head a little bit more. So also pick a medium that works for you. You know, some people yeah. Yeah, like podcasts, some people like YouTube videos or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, find one that works for you and just kind of stick with that because there will be the people out there putting putting the information out there that you can uh, that you can digest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then final question for me then is, what's next in the world of DevOps? What what's on the horizon? What cool what cool what cool trends should we be watching out for? It's interesting, actually. I read a, a, a blog post from a guy the other day um, that I think he was a little bit ranty and a little bit angry, but he also had some good points to make. And it was about the the death of DevOps. And I can kind Already. of see that. Wow. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. Yeah. It was kind of an interesting, interesting read, actually. And I can kind of understand where kind of understand where it, where he's coming from. So, like I was saying before, I, I see DevOps as like bridging the gap between the the development and the ops world. Yeah. What I'm seeing now is there is a lot more people that are getting involved in both. And as those kind of like, that gap kind of narrows a little bit, is it going to be the de death of DevOps? Because all of a sudden people are realizing they need to know these things from beginning to end. And I think with the, with the also the advent of um, cloud computing, AWS, GCP yeah. and things like that, there's always going to be a place for traditional data centers and that style of knowledge and that kind of knowledge. But I think with the advent of everything going cloud-based, it makes the ops side of things a lot more accessible to developers, yeah. especially because you can do infrastructure as code and things like that. It's a, it's a world that are getting a little bit more used to. Um, one of my, funnily enough, actually, one of my old work colleagues that was in this has been in the the ops space for a long time and traditional data center and things like that he was just like we can be out of a job in a few years time <laughs> and i was like well no but you need to get up to speed with the cloud cloud computing side of things so i think from the devops yeah. side of things i think it's always going to be an important part of things and a part uh, and, and a skill to have but i am wondering if devops engineers as a role and a job is going to kind of start trailing off a little bit um, and I think there needs to be a bit of a, a reinvention of it, especially in larger organizations and larger companies. Yeah. Um, because again, we're getting more siloed stuff. There's still kind of like an ops and a dev, and then there's a DevOps up here. So again, there's still this kind of three factor thing now as well. Um, so I, for me personally, I think what I would like to see, I don't know if it will happen, is that those DevOps, those DevOps teams are kind of going to phase out a little bit more, and you're going to be getting a mix, I think, in in yeah. the middle. For me personally, I don't know if it is going to go that way, but I think that is going to be the way. Um, and I think it's it's far better than having a bunch of DevOps guys sat in a team that it's like, oh, it's Terraform. Oh, let's just, just send it to the DevOps guys. That's it. It's um, again, it's siloed information, and I think. Yeah. I think that's how I see the future of DevOps. I think, for me. 
Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, if you, you started before by saying that it was a mindset, it was a philosophy as much as it was a role. Um, and if that if the role of DevOps has been to bring up the overall skill and process of everybody to the point where the DevOps as a role is no longer explicitly a role, but then those people take a part in that wider team on a strategic level, on a more hands-on level, then arguably you could say it's not the death of uh, DevOps, but it's the evolution of DevOps. It is the, evil. yeah, it, it, it is very yeah, much yeah, evil. You're going to get ops guys, dev guys, all doing DevOps. And I think that's that's how I would like to see it anyway. That's how I yeah. That would make a lot of sense. And I guess that, that means that the DevOps job is not done, but it's certainly it's pushed it in the right direction. Exactly. Yeah, very much so. Well, Steve, thank you very much for joining us today on Web3 Waffles. Um, I'll put some details about yourself in the show notes in case anyone wants to check you out. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thanks, guys. <laughs>